It would be amazing if you have a Bible, uh, if you would turn with me to Matthew's Gospel. If you don't have a Bible, we're going to check out the passages of Scripture, uh, which will be right in, uh, in front of you um, on, on the screen. But if you have a Bible, cut it in half, turn right, and you'll find Matthew. Matthew is the first book of the New Testament, and it's a book that tells us uh, all about uh, the life of Jesus and, and what Jesus has to say to our generation, our generation, your generation and mine as well. And, uh, and, and the fascinating thing is this, that uh, Jesus is not just perfect theology because he's God. He's also perfect humanity because he was perfectly human and he's perfect wisdom. Which means this, that he has things to say to your life and to mine, which can change our lives, improve our lives, encourage our lives, and enable us to truly live. And so we're going to read together in, in, in just a moment. Today's uh, uh, sermon in our series called Masterclass is a sermon about happiness. I don't know what makes you happy or what makes you think you're happy. And I was going to try some interaction. You have to some interaction? Like four people are tough. Let's do this. Um, I wonder if you might turn to someone and just say, this thing makes me particularly happy. What makes you, re- I mean, I know this probably makes you unhappy to do this, but, but uh, this thing makes me keep it as clean as possible. This thing makes me truly happy. Okay, turn around, say, say something to someone. What makes you truly happy? Okay, so what you'll discover, if we were to come around with a microphone and and find out what all those answers are, what you'll discover is there is a a huge spectrum of different things, different experiences, different contexts, different circumstances that make us feel really, truly happy. There are also huge amounts of different ways of understanding what happiness is. What is happy? How do you feel happy. I was reading uh, just this week, there was a report out from the Office of National Statistics, I read it, that had, thank you, <laughs> has reported the highest levels of happiness in Great Britain since 2011. The highest levels this year, we are happier now than we've been at any stage since 2011, despite the fears for Brexit, despite terrorism, I don't know how they get their numbers, I don't know how they work out the statistics, how they work out who's happy or not happy. But apparently, 7.5 out of 10 is the average response to how happy we are in Britain today. And, and, and the, the happiest region in Britain is, guess where? No. <laughs> By no means. <laughs> Northern Ireland, apparently. <laughs> oh, look at this. All the Northern Irish got something to cheer about, finally. I am... Um, <laughs> 
I said, I said this to someone earlier today, and they said that's just because they haven't worked out how bad it is yet. Um, so uh, well, well done, the Northern Irish. And another survey I read this week, apparently this is true. As a nation, we are at our happiest on a Saturday at 7.26 p.m. What, what are they? I know this is scientific, but I have no idea how they get. I reckon it's because 7:26 p.m. is just before the X Strictly Factor dancing thing comes on the TV, which means like you're happy and everything's downhill the moment it starts playing. That's that's it. This happy thing is massive. 1776, the Declaration of Independence says this: the unalienable rights of independence are life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. In every generation, happy is a massive thing. I mean, you know it, don't you? If you those of you who are older like, like me, if you ever get asked the question, what do you want for your kids? What's your deepest passion and concern for your kids? If you're being sensible, it's not that they just earn loads of money and have a great career and live in a great place. You, your answer is, I just want them to be happy. When you're thinking about your life partner, your, your, your true answer might, might mean, I want someone who earns lots of money and has a six-pack. But the answer that you really give in deep, deep, deep in your heart is, I want somebody who makes me feel happy. That's what we're looking for. I Googled it this week because I really wasn't sure how to start this sermon, which is why I've started it four times already. <laughs> Uh, and, and I found like hundreds and hundreds, I've had thousands of different quotes on what happiness truly is. I found one site with 12,729 quotes from Gandhi, Martin Luther King, Billy Graham. But my favorite is, is, is this one coming up right, right now. I love this, this quote. This is great, isn't it? Happiness is having a large, loving, caring, close-knit family. Doesn't that kind of feel like kind of happiness? Until you get the rest of the quote, which says this, happiness is having a large, loving, caring, close-knit family in another city. <laughs> and some of you, that's just not funny at, at all because you are the, that family in another city. So Jesus has something to say. Let's, let's, let's go to Matthew's Gospel and chapter 4 and 5. And we're going to study t- together tonight in Matthew 5, which is some of the most famous words that Jesus ever said. It forms the foundation for, for so much of our thinking about who God is and who we are and how we're supposed to relate to God. But there is a verse that comes before Matthew 5 that I think frames everything we're going to understand and talk about in Matthew chapter 5. And we'll find it in Matthew 4 and verse 17. And Jesus is speaking. And Jesus shows up on the scene. And Jesus is, is so popular because he's speaking about God as if he knows who God is. And he's doing the kind of things that God would do if God showed up on the scene. And people are following him. And then Jesus starts to speak. And almost the first words that he speaks are these. Verse 17. From that time on, Jesus began to preach. Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is near. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. What he says is the kingdom of God, the rule and the reign of God, 
the realm of God, where whatever God wants and whoever God is happens perfectly, is so close you can reach out and touch it. It's so near to us. It's so available to us. And so he says to people, repent. Now that word repent is the Greek word metanoia. And usually it gets translated in common parlance as turning around. But actually what it really means and and truly means at its base level is to think differently. And so Jesus says, think radically differently because God's kingdom is at hand. You can touch it. God's kingdom of happiness and joy and peace and compassion and justice, all the things that are true of the kingdom of God are at hand. And so you need to rewire the way in which you think because the way in which you think is not right now. And then the first thing that Jesus starts to preach about is happiness. I want you to think differently about what it means to be happy. I want you to think differently about what it means to have happiness in your life and to pursue happiness. Because if you get it wrong, then you can spend the whole of your life pursuing something that actually isn't happiness, will not bring contentment, will not bring fulfillment, will not satisfy you in any way, and it will be a waste of your life. Think differently. And then he starts talking about happiness. Chapter 5, verse 3. Blessed. That, that word blessed is the Greek word makarius. And it, and it actually means happy. It means three times happy. It means happy of mind, heart, and soul. It means, it means happy with God, happy with one another, happy with the world. It means, it means totally happy. You could not be more happy. Happy are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Happy are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Happy are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Happy are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Happy are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Happy are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Happy are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Happy are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is speaking to people like you and I. Speaking to a crowd. He's speaking to farmers, I guess, and fishermen, I guess. He's speaking to rulers. He's speaking to soldiers and, uh, and the police. He's speaking to the religious authorities. And he's saying, your happiness is not defined by your circumstances. I want you to think again. Your happiness is not de- 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 defined by, by circumstances around you. And some of these people were living in difficult circumstances. They were under Roman occupation. If you were a a woman in first century Israel, you had no rights. If you were a child, you had no rights. If you were a slave, you had no rights. If you lived in a certain area or province, you had little rights. And so they understood that life was not fair. And it was difficult to be happy. And Jesus says, no, your happiness is uh, is not determined by your stuff how much you have or how much you don't have. Comfort is not the context of happiness. Success is not the story of your happiness and you are not the answer to your happiness. And it was so offensive to people and it still is. This kind of, this kind of message is deeply offensive to, to people because it makes us squirm because so often we act as if those things are true. It's all about our context. Jesus says there is something that needs to shift here for something to change here. There is something that needs to shift metanoia 
here so that something can change Macarius here. Because if something doesn't change here, you will live your life pursuing something that is not happiness and will not make you happy and no one around you will experience happiness. This is that important. And so he begins to preach. And he says some stuff that is quite, he says, look, happy are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus is saying something deeply offensive. He's saying the one thing you crave above anything else, the thing that you know you need, the thing that you know you want, you cannot get by direct effort. You can't fix it, you can't run it, you can't make it, you can't change it, you can't buy it, you can't sort it. You can't get it. You're after heaven and you cannot get heaven. And that is offensive back then and it's even more offensive now because our culture is saturated with self-help, self-build, self-made, self-reliance stuff, isn't it? You should be able to sort it yourself. And Jesus says, no, you can't. It doesn't work. You know, I, I, I've spent uh, this week talking to people who are doing personality uh, uh, tests, working out who they are so they might lead themselves and lead other people. And, and that's really endemic in our culture, and it's not wrong. It, 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 it's good stuff. I, I hang out on weekends with people who, 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 who hang out at B&Q because <laughs> they're trying to fix things and, and not pay for things and make it work them, themselves because that's our culture. And here's the thing. It, it's one thing when it's a spirit level and a cordless drill and a run of shelves. But when it's your life you're trying to fix, it's an altogether another thing. When we remove God, and we say we don't need God, we have to take his place. And we make a bad God. And it leads, uh, leaves us unable, pretending to be able and unhappy And the issue is we were made by him and for him and we only find happy in him. And what Jesus is saying is happy are you when you make space for the only one who can make you truly happy. And Jesus goes on, he says happy are those who mourn. And that sounds ridiculous. He's almost saying happy are those who are unhappy. And we say, how can that be? And God says, well, it's, it can be because I, who am perfect happiness, are also deeply unhappy. God, who is perfect happiness, is also deeply unhappy. His heart has deep complaints. Have you ever thought that? God has deep complaints about injustice and affliction and uh, abuse and, and what we've done with his generous gift of free will. And, and, and uh, Jesus says, happy are those who align themselves with the complaints of God and therefore make themselves available to the purposes of God. Happy are those who align themselves with the complaints of God and therefore make themselves available to the purposes of God. Happy are you when your heart beats for the things that breaks God's heart. Happy are you when, you when you get annoyed and upset and complain about poverty and injustice and inequality. Happy are you when your heart breaks for, for war and injustice and inequality and a planet that's broken and scarred. And happy are you when, 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 when your heart breaks for everything in you and about you that keeps you from him. Happy are those who mourn, says Jesus. 
And then he says, happier than mink, for they will inherit the earth. Which is a crazy thing, isn't it? I mean, our world doesn't think meek people are happy people. Our world thinks meek people are weak people. Our world says happy are the go-getters and the, the rung climbers, those who are looking out for number one, uh, and those who say they've got rights and they stand on their rights, the conquerors and the cool people. But, but deep in our hearts, our experience says, no, that's not right. They're not happy people. And Jesus concurs and says, happy are the meek. Because I got rights is a happiness killer. And the heart of the kingdom is humility. So if you would be happy, stop grabbing. Start giving. Stop standing up for your own rights. Start standing up for everybody else's rights. Let God defend you and promote you. Happy are those, in other words, whose lives are less about themselves and make room for their lives to be more about everybody else around their lives because that's like God. And Jesus says, happy are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. The problem of of happiness in our world is not that we don't recognize our hunger. Everywhere you go, you recognize people are hungry. People are hungry for more, aren't they? People, there must be more to life than this. Where people are frustrated with their lot. They, they think there must be more to life than being born, having relationships, paying taxes and dying. There has to be more to life than this. The problem is this, that we seem obsessed with filling ourselves with stuff that will not satisfy. Do you know, I've got a confession. There are, there are moments in my life when I really fancy a McDonald's. Last 10 minutes has been one of those. When I, re- when I really fancy a McDonald's, and one of the problems is that I now don't have young children that I can use as the excuse for going to McDonald's. Oh, they need a happy meal, darling. I mean, I know it's rubbish stuff, but you know, what can you do? But there are moments when, when I know how bad it is for you. I know how rubbish the food is, but that kind of fake plasticky smell as you walk past the McDonald's drags you in and you think that's going to be amazing. It's going to be tasty and wonderful. But here is the reality of McDonald's, I hope they don't sue me for this. It's crap. It doesn't you 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 kind of eat it, and you think the first oh this is why do I not eat these every day? And then, <laughs> and then it leaves that fatty aftertaste. You know that kind of that means you have to have a milkshake to get rid of the. And, and, and you know it's doing untold damage to every internal organ that you have. And, and it always leaves you hungry, doesn't it? You feel that? Always leaves you thinking, oh, I'm not, I, I, I ate like two Big Macs and I'm still, <laughs> not that I ever do that. I'm still hungry. Deep, deep down, you're hungry. That's what the scriptures seem to suggest. You're hungry for righteousness. That's, what, that's how you're wired. But you are so tempted with fast food. You're hungry for righteousness, but you're so tempted for shortcuts. You're so tempted to, to, to not pursue the thing that your heart is asking for because you know that the quick fix, a quick satisfaction is, is, is so easy. Guys, listen, the only way to get happy is to get full. And the only way to get full is to fast. 
which sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? The only way to get full is to fast, to fast from all the pseudo-fake food that isn't righteousness. To ruthlessly and, 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 and systematically remove those things from your diet so that you might feast on righteousness, on others-centeredness, on doing rightness, on pursuing the person of God-ness, on being hungry for his presence because only he can satisfy because he made you that way to be happy and he is the source of happiness. He defines what happiness is and he can give you happiness and only he can. Jesus, happy are those who hunger and thirst for see, see, Jesus is like taking a scalpel to our culture and he's peeling back the layers. He then goes on to say, happy are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. Why? Why? Because mercy is at the heart of who God is. And therefore, it's the heart of who you are because you're created in the image of God. And every time you created in the image of God are, are, are walking outside of a relationship with God, it kind of jars with you. So if God is merciful and God is full of forgiveness and you're not merciful and you're not full of forgiveness, it's going to jar. It's going to be difficult for you to reflect the image of God. And that's why you're not happy. So pursue, pursue forgiveness and delight in giving others what they don't deserve. Because then you'll be like God. Happier the pure in heart, says Jesus. For they, I know this is a long list, but let's, let's do this. Happier the pure in heart, for they will see God. I thought about this. How do, I, how do I explain what pure in heart means? Well, I think it's this. What you see is what you get is happy. What you see is what you get is happy. Happy is not complex complex. Happy is not angled. Happy is not manipulative. Happy is not agendered. Happy is what you see is what you get. You never have to think too hard to say what is true because what is true and what is good is pouring out of your life because your life is not complicated. Your life is not angled and agendered and manipulated and second-guessed. It's just pure because you seek God and God flows through you. you know, our, our culture is obsessed with what it looks like, isn't it? That's why the um, cosmetics industry makes so much money. Because we're obsessed with what we think is the perfect, you know, what. It, naked palette, three, two, one thing. Bronzer, brow stuff. <laughs> you know? And. <laughs> And, 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 and that's why the fashion industry does, does so well and makes so much money because we're obsessed by, that's why Apple, that's why Apple, you know, Apple make great products, but actually we don't tend to buy them because they make great products. We buy them because they promise a great lifestyle. At least that's what we're being sold. They look shiny. I will be cool if I have these things and if I have the whole suite, oh my word. It, and they, they feel good, don't they? Okay, that's just me. <laughs> they do. And, and our world is obsessed with what it looks like, and God is obsessed with what it is like. What it is like. Blessed, happy are the pure in heart, for they will see God. 
That kind of happy only comes from a heart that knows God, really knows God. Only that kind of heart can be truly centered, truly content. And then Jesus says, happy are the peacemakers. And then he talks about persecution. And I think he rolls these two things in together and it's really hard to understand. But he says, God, God is happy and you are happy when there is peace. Because God is a peacemaker. He's not by nature a warmonger. But get this, he is not passive. God is, God is a peacemaker, but he is not passive. He is involved. His mission is about restoration. His action is to come and locate himself and give himself and speak and be a bridge between a holy God and his runaway creations. And if you would be truly happy, if we would be truly happy, that would be our path too. If we would follow Jesus, we would become a bridge between people who are far away from God and and, and people and, and God himself who wants to be close to people. If we would be truly happy, we would be a bridge between the haves and the have-nots, the rich and the poor, the broken and the whole. We'd be those who are seeking to be part of God's restoration plan for this world. And that would make us truly happy, truly happy, and it would make us persecuted. The weird thing is, it sounds awfully weird when Jesus talked, awfully weird. I think I became very posh very quickly then. Sounds awfully weird, doesn't it, when, when Jesus talks about it, the blessed, happy, or the persecuted ones. But what I think he's just making a commentary on, you know, if you are irritatingly loving and passionately involved and making peace and actively pursuing right living and not wrong living, then people will oppose that which is different from themselves and you will not always be loved. And and, and it's not inconsistent with happiness to be persecuted. For Christ's sake. And they will treat you like they treated Jesus. If you look like Jesus and you act like Jesus, you will share with him in his resurrection. And you will share with him in his suffering. The implication of what Jesus is saying is that most of this world is missing out on happiness. Most, most of our world is missing out on happiness because we've defined happiness related to our context or to our circumstance or to our financial position or to our relational status And Jesus says, none of that is true. Happiness is not your unalienable right. He says, controversially about to get himself never having a green card in the United States of America. It's not. It's the true gift of God. It's not a right. It's a gift. And God wants to gift people with this kind of happiness, a change of the way in which we think that will bring contentment and fulfillment and satisfaction into our lives Happy is an adventure to step into, not a life sentence to get through. Happy is a a life beyond you, not a life just for you. Happy looks like give over get. It looks like deep over shallow. It looks like the gift of God for us, and it changes everything. It's not a feeling. It's not a moment. 
but it's aligning yourself with the person and purposes and presence of a God who loves you. Shall we pray? Preached this sermon this morning and staggered myself as to how heavy a sermon on happiness could be. But I sense that God wants to change the way we think so that he would change the way we act and change our hearts. And so just in the quietness, let the God who is present with us do the work he wants to do in us. very likely in, in, in a lot of information that's just been given out, there'll be one or two things that God just put his highlighter pen on and underlined it, italicized it, and emboldened it. Said this, this I want you to attend to. And in the quietness, just do business with the God who is all wisdom and is present with us. Holy Spirit, would you come?